The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus, but the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them, Jesus addressed this parable. A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill on the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here am I, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost, but has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back he heard that as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Yeah, we uh, perhaps we all have in our mind the uh, the Rembrandt uh, depiction of the of the scene, the embrace of of the uh, of the prodigal son. Uh, maybe not. Doesn't matter. Luke is uh, much better than the Rembrandt anyway. So this is uh, <laughs> this is a fantastic um, depiction here. We get it right, you know, right from the mouth of Jesus. We're um, we're seeing, you know, all, all the details of this wonderful story, and it's it's really a lot to take in. Yeah, so there are, there are any number of things that, that I think we have to do in working with the Scripture, and I'll get to those in, uh, in the second phase, as it were. Um, but I want to say in the beginning to give, it, to give us a, a, new, a, a new little look at it, even though it's perhaps the, the older look at it, is to say that, you know, in the story of the younger son, you're actually tracking, and, and the people listening to Jesus would have likely heard from the beginning 
the story of Israel. Okay, so this is not simply about the characters making their way through the scene. It's not simply about the God of, of generous self-giving, right? When I, when I write my little weekly email on this passage, when it comes up in the cycle, I always uh, make sure to say we're looking at the parable of the prodigal father because if you want to look at, you know, who is, say, most, quote-unquote, wasteful, it's the father. Hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? This interesting, right? Is, is this, he's going to keep giving. He's just giving, giving, giving. And look at the responses that he gets, right? They're mostly miserable, okay? So they're mostly miserable. This is a great depiction of God the Father. He's just generous. He's just generous, yeah? Now, he cares. Right? That generosity is, is also personal. He cares. He's going for it. Okay, so anyway. That is, that is all going on, and we'll get back to that as it relates to especially the Pharisees. Yeah, but here, the story of Israel is they go, they find, there are people who find themselves in exile. Yeah, so whether it's exile in Egypt and then bringing them back, right, God is rest, restoring to them, uh, restoring them to the land or restoring the land to them, whatever it may be, they enter the promised land. But they also find, they then find themselves in the Babylonian exile. They find themselves scattered far and wide. And then brought back as a people, but their experience of being brought back to the land after the Babylonian exile is that they still feel like they're in exile. So it's like they're kind of like walking around their home. It just doesn't feel like it's theirs. So, you know, when you move, I don't know if you ever moved house. Some of you I know have not moved house ever, but this is what, <laughs> it's a Bhutan thing, okay? It's, to it's totally fine. I love it, actually, you know, but okay, some people have never moved house, fine. Um, but when you move house, it doesn't feel like your house for a little while. You have to grow into it. You have to live into it. You there's a whole bunch of things. You probably have to get door, door dash now probably a hundred times, something like that. Okay, so they move back into their house. It doesn't feel like their house. And, and one of the things they feel like is lacking is the presence of God. So they want God to return. They want God, this is, this is the thought of the time, okay? They want God to return. They feel themselves to be a people in exile. So, this, so the narrative scope of the story is like, okay, wow, it is happening, right? The return from exile is happening. That's the narrative thrust of Jesus' story. That's very powerful for him to tap into, yeah? And there's a lot then of natural joy. There's a lot of natural rejoicing and the rest that comes along with that. And Jesus is making that story collide with the agenda and the disposition of the scribes and the Pharisees, right? And um, the Pharisees, yeah, the ones who complain, right? That this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Okay, so in response to the this man welcomes sinners, Seeing if there are any kids here. Oh, yeah, I have one here. Sorry. <laughs> this is, uh, there's one like really on the bike, under my watch here. Sinner, yeah, si sinners, yeah, sinners. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, it is tax collectorism and, and sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes. They're conspiring with the enemy. They're the lowest of the low. So all those kind of, um, uh, those words that we generate with disgust, the, the dehumanizing words, scumbag, 
right? Things like that. Yeah, I said it's not nice, yeah? But those, those kinds of words, this is them. They're horrible, despicable, contemptible people. We hate them. We hate them. They're collaborating with the enemy, right? They're working with the Romans. We won't want anything to do with them. But here, okay, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son latching into the story that a first century Jew is going to most care about, right? He wants to hear that narrative. The return from exile, here's the story, and he's attaching it to them. And they're, they're healing, and they're repentance, and they're coming to life, tax collectors and sinners. And he's, so he's making the, the, uh, the momentum, the whole thrust of that narrative. It's, he starts off in the wrong direction, and you just go, go for it, and then it comes into vital conflict with the scribes and the Pharisees and where they find themselves positioned. Okay, so Jesus, is, this is number one. Jesus is affecting the return from exile. It is happening there. That's Jesus' point. That's his point here. Okay, so there's a massive, there's a massive story that he's put himself at the center of because he is the one. He, Jesus is the one who is affecting the return from exile and, and then is standing there as God's presence in the midst of his people, calling them to repentance. There's no bigger story than that. The challenge then, and this is my second phase, okay, my check. There might only be two phases. It depends, though, because you're looking grumpy, and when you look grumpy, you get three or four phases, okay? So, all right. Okay, okay, fine, we're back to two phases. Okay, good, good. I'm glad, I'm glad we're all together on the point. Okay, so it's, heading in, it's all heading in the wrong direction. The rest. I just want, I want to frame it, the parable, again, just as we see it framed in the lectionary for us. Tax collectors and sinners drawing near to, near to listen to Jesus, Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, ba ba ba, right, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them, Jesus dressed the parable. To them, Jesus addresses this parable. Okay? So all the, all the kind of resonance, all the, okay, I'm, really, I'm connecting with the thing on this point. Remember, it's to the scribes and the Pharisees that Jesus is addressing this parable. And then, right, we see how the whole thing develops, right? Where do we think the scribes and the Pharisees, where do we think that character is coming in here? The older son... The older son, okay? Of course. Two and a half, okay? This is okay. Oh. Phase three. It's, uh, sorry. <laughs> phase, phase two and a half, okay? This is okay. We're in, you can work on that yourselves, okay? That connection. What I want to say is we're at the end of the second week of Lent. So what is the call for us reading this parable? Really, it's to not be the elder son. This is what the church is deter this is what the church is giving us today. Okay? Do not be the don't you don't want to find yourself in the position of the scribes and the Pharisees, right? No matter where in the gospel it is, you really don't want to, okay? But the reality is that we do. The reason why we don't we don't just keep them around as as the uh, as the whipping boy, you know, as the scapegoat. Like, oh yeah, the scribes and the Pharisees. There they there they are again. There they are again. Oh yeah, they're so bad. They're so crazy. 
They didn't respond to Jesus on, yeah, okay. No, no, it's us. It's us. And it's us, especially as we take our Lenten season and, and our Lenten practices and disciplines, and, and we're all praying and, and fasting and giving alms. And where do we find ourselves as a result? Do we find ourselves in the, in the slave mentality as a result? Or do we find ourselves in, in the generous, God of generosity mentality? Do we, find, do we find ourselves eager to enter the party with all and sundry and to, and, to, and to celebrate the work of God as it's going on? Or because, you know, I'm so good because I'm praying and fasting and giving alms, you know, the ticket to the party really is praying, fasting, and giving alms. Okay, so what's, what's, your, prayer, what's your prayer like? Tell me how much you're praying, you know? And uh, is, it re- is it rising to my standard? No, you're not in the party, okay? And fasting, fasting, okay? To my standard, you're not, okay, so you're not in the party either, okay? So God doesn't, he's not doing anything down there and he doesn't have to do anything down there, not us, okay? So we don't want to turn in on ourselves as a result of the disciplines that we've committed to in order to affect this radical generosity taking root in us. Yeah? The whole point is to become radically generous as the father. The point is to become prodigal as the father, to become as wasteful, quote unquote, as wasteful in love as the Father. Everything that we do can be love because we've been won over. We ourselves have been gathered into the party. We're living the party now. This is why I said you have to be smiling. If you get grumpy today, the homily is just going to go on and on and on because we're living the party now. We're living the party now in anticipation of the party to come. Yeah, we're living it now. We're, We're wrapped up secure in the love of God now. He's breathing his life into us now. We're, we're I mean, for Pete's sake, we're, we're, eating, we're eating, we're feasting on the body and blood of the Son today. We're in the party. You're in the party. And you want everybody to be there. We've got to want everyone to be there. You know, of course, there are obstacles for people to join the party. There, there are challenges for people to join the party. We just want them in anyway. That's the desire. We want them in. We'll clear up the problems as we go. We'll take it in stride. Let's go. It's generosity, generosity at every turn. Yeah, so this, this then is, is, uh, is really the, the challenge for us. It's a challenge that's issued uh, to us. And when we see that, you know, the, the scope and narrative of the, of the story is Jesus and the work that he is doing then and there, we recognize not only that we've been won over to him, and that we're, we're then, you know, and again, we're, we're enjoying the life of the, of the feast. Jesus is the life of the party. is the life of the party. So we're enjoying the life of the party. But we recognize also that as his church, as his, as his gathered people, we are made to be members of his body about the work of God in the world. So we pick up the same pattern of life. Yes, yeah, so we're living according to the pattern of life of Christ Jesus which means that we now have to be the embodiment of the mercy of God, celebrating everywhere that God is at work, eager to gather everyone of all, of all stripes and sorts into the, into the party that, that God wants to throw, the great party of uh, divine love.